This is RJ Carbone, and you're listening to BD4. Anthony for three. Bang! That one goes this down. one by Mattingly. Oh, hang on to the RJ Barrett does it again from downtown. He is just tearing the Orioles apart. It's, it's good. Randall gets the bounce, and he ties the game. Houston ducks under. Got it. All right, what's going on everybody? Welcome to the show, welcome to episode 290 of BD4, we're getting up there. I hope everybody's having a good one today. As you are listening, it should be December 8th on a Wednesday morning. Um, It's actually technically Wednesday morning as I record this, as it's late. The Knicks just finished up a late night game against the San Antonio Spurs in Texas. It started at 8.30. So I'm a bit tired, and I just recorded the second segment to the show because this is the Knicks quarterly report. So we actually went over that segment first. We're going to put that in the second half of the show. But to start the show, of course, we're going to go over these last two games that the Knicks have been a part of, which have gone differently. Uh, There was the one in Denver, and then there was the one tonight, again, the victory in San Antonio. Um, But I hope everybody's doing well. And if you haven't yet subscribed to the podcast, be sure to subscribe to BD4 where there's no better way to get your Yankees and Knicks analysis. We're on many platforms, Apple Podcasts, Spotify. You can watch us on YouTube, plenty more platforms. Follow me on Facebook, RJ Carbone, Instagram at Rob J. Carbone. Um, So welcome to the show. Welcome to the show. You know, let's just head to break first, and when we get back from break, we'll get right into things. There's no reason to really waste any time. So let's head to our first plug, our first couple of plugs. And when we get back, we'll dive right into this Denver game. Then we'll go over the San Antonio game. Okay, let's do it. Hey guys, so real briefly, before we get deeper into the episode, I realized that on YouTube, only 51% of you who watch BD4 are subscribed. So we should try and change that to make my channel grow to get the podcast even bigger. So be sure to subscribe to BD4 on YouTube if you haven't yet. So if you guys want to follow me on social media, be sure to do so right now. I'm on Facebook at RJ Carbone, and I'm also on Instagram at Rob J. Carbone. Once again, if you want to find me on Facebook, that is R.J. Carbone. Instagram, at Rob J. Carbone. Again, guys, welcome to the show, episode 280 of BD4. I'm your host, RJ Carbone. I'm sorry, episode 290 
of BD4. This is the quarterly report, so we're going to be going over our progress reports in a bit. But first, we're going to recap the last two games the Knicks have been a part of. The Denver Nuggets game, starting first, we'll briefly go over that since it's old news by now. And then we'll get into the Spurs game more recently. Um, one second, let me just set everything up here. Make sure we're all set. Make sure we're not lagging or anything. Good. So, yeah, this Nuggets game, this was the Saturday matinee. Obviously, this did not go well. The Knicks took a dreadful 113-99 loss, which, you know, looking at the final score, it gives the Knicks a lot more credit than they absolutely deserve because they played horrendous basketball. It was undoubtedly the Knicks' most repulsive effort of the season. Their most repulsive effort of the season. Far and away. If you can even call it that. Uh, they were down, right out the gate, they were down 7-2. to two. They were down by as many as 7 points in the first quarter. Entered the second down 5, but before you knew it, second half comes. The deficit grows to 15 midway through the second quarter. So the second quarter comes. The deficit grows to 15. Then the second half comes and the game is over. By the third quarter, the game was over. Um, Jokic starts to go off to cap off of his night. He sits the entire fourth. But the Knicks were down 30 points in the third quarter, I believe. So it, it was just the most, again, an abominable defensive effort. A repulsive performance. Um, everybody was missing their rotations. Nobody was getting back to play D. Nothing was going in offensively. Jokic, like I said, was so dominant in that third quarter, he didn't even need to play the fourth. The Nuggets won. The Knicks at the time fell below 500, and nobody is afraid of Madison Square Garden again, apparently. The Nuggets shot 47% on 43 three-point attempts. They scored 113 points, only needing four free throw makes. It was bad. Um, Julius Randle had 24 points, 7 rebounds, 8 assists, shot 9 for 18. So the numbers looked like the, you know, like he had a productive performance. Right? The offensive numbers looked nice. But watching the game, he made zero difference because of his absolutely unequivocally excuse me, unequivocally abominable defense. And we're going to get to that when we go over some film later in this episode, when we go over Randall's report, uh, progress report. The amount of times he skipped his rotations, uh, helping players, helping on players that he did not need to bring help for, players without the ball, falling asleep weak side, ball side, leaving his man wide open on the weak side a number of times. We'll go over a certain clip. Because he, in this game, he's leaving Najee wide open constantly. Who goes off for a career-high 21 points. 5 for 9 from 3, does Najee. It's always that one journeyman the Knicks let go off. And on Saturday, it was Zeke Najee. There was that one rebound play with R.J. Barrett. They completely botched it. 
So he, his defensive effort was not there. Also defensively, I did not like the performance from Mitchell Robinson. Mitch had four points, six rebounds, a steal, two blocks, but he was cooked on the defensive end by Jokic, who went for 32-11-5 on 74%. Just dropping way too far off of ball screens. And like we're going to talk about later, doesn't have the mobility to make up for it anymore in this scheme. So he switches, but he can't ever recover and rotate back quick enough when the help doesn't arrive. You can really see this in the Chicago game and in this past, this Denver game this past weekend. And it's really our entire big man rotation. Mitch, Taj, Noel, Sims, but we haven't seen much from him to get a true testament of his perimeter D that, that struggles on the perimeter against those skilled bigs. Right, those stretch bigs, um, the bigs who can put the ball on the floor and are a bit crafty with it. They all, you know, the physical ones, they give us a lot of issues every time. The bigger ones, it's tough. I really don't want to go on in terms of this game, but those were the two guys I really wanted to point out because in the Nuggets loss, you know, Randall is the star player was not a star. And Robinson is supposed to be that defensive anchor. He was not that. So those were the two guys I looked at. Nobody played well. Don't get me wrong. Nobody really played well. But those two were, were, were the toughest to watch for me. After the game, Thibodeau said he was making uh, more lineup changes were to come. I'm sitting there thinking, does this mean you know rotation changes or schematic adjustments? Possibly both. You know, I'm thinking, oh, maybe we get something exciting like Derrick Rose over Burks, an actual point guard to start. Or maybe, you know, something exciting like Jericho Sims over Mitchell Robinson. Maybe over Noel off the bench. You know, Sims has played great. That one game he played really good. Was it Chicago? When he saw extended minutes? Is it going to be Barrett to the bench? People were speculating about that because, you know, Tibbs has been tough on him in pressers. He sits him in the fourth quarter often. Is Knox going to be a part of the rotation, being that he's been in the last couple of blowout games? But it ends up being, and what we see tonight, um, pretty uh, pretty exciting news, huh? When Noel gets to start over Robinson. Yeah, it was nothing. But we'll get to that. We'll get to this, this, this Nick Spurs uh, victory. 121-109, the Knicks pick up the victory. Let's talk about that. Before we do, let's get to our plug. So BD4 is on so many platforms to listen to. You can listen to us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, SoundCloud. You can listen to us on Spotify. You can find us on our sponsor, Anchor and many other listening platforms as well, wherever you get your podcast. But we are also available to watch on YouTube. So if you want to watch us on YouTube, go subscribe there. But if you prefer to listen to us, again, many, many, many listening platforms. Just be sure to subscribe 
download, give us a rating, a review, comment, share the podcast, and all that fun stuff. This is BD4, where there's no better way to get your Yankees and Knicks analysis. This was a good game, man. It was a nice bounce back. It was a nice one to... to they did what they were supposed to do after losing that poorly at the Garden against the Nuggets, getting booed on their own floor. The Knicks doing a nice job bouncing back the way they are supposed to against Popovich's Spurs in Texas. 121-109, Knicks pick up this victory. Um, and, and, you know, the story of this performance... RJ Thibodeau obviously in the presser on Saturday calls out RJ Barrett in the conference saying he should probably hit the gym more paraphrasing kind of Um, and then he like I said he benches Mitchell Robinson and what do you know Dozen says these two things and both of these players have some of their better performances of the season career even. R.J. Barrett goes for 32 points, 5 rebounds, a couple of assists, shoots 11 for 20 and 7 for 8 from 3-point distance. Mitchell Robinson goes for 11 points, 14 rebounds, a couple of steals, 3 blocks, and a plus 13 to lead the team in the box score, along with quickies. So who's next? Who's who's next to get criticized by Thibodeau and um, puts up? I would prefer that be Randall. I think we would all prefer he gets held accountable for a second of his life and steps it up, but we'll see. No, it, it was a good, chill game. There was not much drama. You know, it was the Knicks felt like it felt like the Knicks were in control of this one the entire time. They shot forty-seven percent from the floor, forty-seven percent from three, ninety percent. Just about at the free throw line. Uh, what I loved was the ball movement, and we kept it clean. 22 assists versus just 11 turnovers. And we were also a plus nine in the rebounding department. First quarter, you could see right away the Knicks were there. Their energy was there, they, the pacing was better out the gate. Robinson checks in with about five minutes or so to go in the first. He picks up a couple of offensive rebounds right away. And it's pretty even keel in the first quarter. Of course, you have to have ex-Nick Doug McDermott hitting that last second three-point heave from the corner to tie it at 28. Second quarter comes. Tom Thibodeau goes to his bench. Mitch getting into the passing lanes. You've got Rose and quickly early scoring in the quarter. RJ Barrett getting hot with his second unit. Scores 19 in the first half. Starters are playing well with him. Mitch goes for 7 points, 10 boards, a couple of blocks in the first half. And the Knicks enter the intermission 62-56 with a lead. Third quarter comes. No third quarter of doom tonight, which was a positive. RJ and Burks, two big three balls to put the Knicks up 10 points early in the third. Spurs start picking up some ground. You've got 
Derek White percolating. Um, Doug McDermott. Bates Deep getting it going, if I said his name correctly. Deficits cut to five points. But then Randall finally chimes in, hits his first field goal of the game with his step back three. And he hits a couple of more three-pointers in the period later on. Fournier strings together a few deep balls. I think one was a, a long two and the other was a three. Successively. And the defense of the Knicks held the Spurs to 25 points. Their lowest point total of the the Spurs' lowest points in a quarter all game. I don't know if I fucking said that right. Um, fourth quarter comes. Knicks enter at 95-81, up by six points. Sorry, up by 14 points. Um, IQ drills a big triple. Randall seals the deal later in the period with a couple of baseline fadeaways. Good team defense for the Knicks. Seals the deal. And that's it. But yeah, I I loved about this game. What I really loved was how spectacular R.J. Barrett was. Finally snapping that. I was like 13 or 14 games under 20 points streak. Tibbs really made an effort to get him involved early on. You could see that. Um, Got a lot lot of touches. Um, Got him out in transition more. Ran him with the second unit some more. He attacked and finished nicely. But of course, it was the 7-for-8 three-point sniping. He was stepping into his shots in rhythm. The Spurs obviously read the reports how he was missing wide-open threes during this slump. But RJ made them pay. He was great. Julius Randle. Now he had 15 points. Didn't do a ton of scoring. But I really, I was, I was satisfied with his performance. You know, I was very happy that he... So he goes for 15, 7, 8 assists. I don't know if it was 8 assists or 7. ESPN has 7. NBA has 8. Um, but he was a plus 7. And I liked the way he played. He deferred He deferred tonight. Especially early on in the first half. He only had two shot attempts. He deferred. He let RJ cook. Um, he was making quick decisions. Wasn't holding the ball at his hand. You know, A low turnover count for Julius tonight. He played within the flow of the offense. He hit guys in the right pocket. A lot of hockey assists for Julius tonight. Didn't force anything. Got it going in the third quarter. Like I said, I think he had three triples in the third quarter. And he played some good defense. So he, he was fine. I really, I was, I want us to get this from, I don't care about the points. I really don't care about the points. If he can be like this, more often I'll take it. I'll take it. Doesn't try to do too much. Obi Toppin tonight, eight points in thirteen minutes. We're going to touch on Obi in the in the progress report later. He was getting the ball in the post, so it was a good win for the Knicks. It was nice to finally, uh, you know, 
finally pick up a dominant victory. It's been a while since we had a dominant victory. You know, it felt like we were in this one the entire time. It felt like we had this one the entire time. Let's have to break. When we get back, we'll wrap things up. Hey guys, I hope you're enjoying this episode. But first, I also want to let you know I have another blog. The blog I'm writing for is on ultimatesportsnetworks.com titled The Bomber Bocker Blog. If you want to go subscribe to this blog, you should do so using my promo code 6A2 841ERJC. Using that, you'd get a discount $7.99 a month to get the best Knicks and Yankees opinionated content around. Once again, guys, the Bomber Bocker blog on ultimatesportsnetworks.com using promo code 6A2841ERJC, $7.99 a month. A custom wall tapestry is a surefire way to uplift any room's aesthetics with a personal touch. This 100% polyester wall tapestry comes with hemmed edges for extra durability while its mildew and water resistant properties ensure years worth of decorating bliss. The advanced tapestry printing techniques guarantee crisp detail even for the craziest of designs in any of the multiple size choices. You can select a size of 26 by 36 inches, 51 by 60, 68 by 80, and 88 by 104. These wall tapestries usually ship in 7 to 10 business days, and the price ranges from $24.99 to $69.99, all dependent on the size you select. The Bomber Bocker blog wall tapestries come in orange, gray, and black. But most importantly, be sure when purchasing a wall tapestry for the Bomberbacher blog that you use promo code 6A2841ERJC. 6A2841ERJC. Just go to ultimatesportsnetworks.com and click on the Shop MVP tab, searching the Bomberbacher blog. And there you have it. So uh, as we were on break there, I was just taking a look at my Instagram, scrolling through my feed, and I actually saw it live tonight too, but I came across the clip of Thibodeau cursing out the ref earlier in the game. <laughs> just but Um give him the F-bomb about not calling any fouls. You know, Breen is right when he says they give him a, a lot more leeway than anybody else because he's kind of developed a reputation for being that guy chirping at them. Over the years, and he's a veteran, obviously, of the game is Thibodeau. But it's funny as hell, man. I mean, he's just the epitome of a boomer coach. You know, he's just that hard-ass old-school guy. But, um... Let's get to it. Let, let's finish this off. Let's talk about um, 
Oh, I wanted to bring up the fire cell that Indiana is having. Because we play them tomorrow, today as you're listening, tonight. And the Pacers, yeah, the Pacers are planning on fire selling. From what I'm hearing, they're planning on doing a fire sell. Um, from Levert to Sabonis to, you know, everybody's prized possession here, Miles Turner. Now, hold on, I'm fucking lagging. All right, so we were just talking about Miles Turner. Um, I'm actually picking this podcast up the next day. It's December 8th, not the night of December 7th, because my tablet crashed on the middle of recording, so we had to wait. Um, but we're good now. We're going to finish off this episode and talk about Miles Turner and the Pacers. Yeah, he's one of the guys who obviously Knicks fans want very much. Um, this is somebody who would bring a lot. Um, first off, Turner is, I, th- I believe he's got two more years on his contract. Um, he's making $36 million in total. So that's about 18 a mil, uh, eighteen million a year this year and, and next year each. Um, you know, it, it, That's obviously going to be dependent on what the asking price is. Um, Indiana, New York making a deal. You know, the old school clash between these two, it's not likely. And if it were to be, if it were to happen, I feel like Indiana would certainly ask for the Kings' ransom. They know that the Knicks are in the same conference as them. And they know that the Knicks have a boatload of picks and some young players that might be attractive to the Pacers. Um, So I'm thinking, you know, Mitchell Robinson, and then maybe one of Obi Toppin or IQ, and then you throw in Kevin Knox and then some picks. It's going to sting. Knicks fans have to realize to get what you want, you have to give a little too. You know, there's never going to be that fleece type of a deal when you have a roster like the Knicks have, where it's not the deepest um, of young talent. You have some nice young talent, but it's not the deepest. So whatever deal the Knicks do make, if it's going to be for someone like Miles Turner, it's going to sting. Um, and I'm not saying I jump on it. I would have to think about something like that, right? Obi is, he's been great. He's been huge. And, you know, with Julius playing the way he is, you never know. And IQ seems like he could be a really, really good scoring guard in this league. Whether that's starting or off the bench. But, yeah, I mean, if I'm Leon Rose, I think you at least have to pick up the phone, dial, and see what's up. Right? The Knicks take on the Pacers tonight. Um, But I just thought I'd make that clear that I would definitely at least check it out. You know, Miles Turner is a stretch five who can also protect the rim. Right? He's much like Robinson defensively where he's going to pick up blocks and he's going to alter shots and he's able to defend pick and roll and, and the low post. But he's not the greatest of rebounders. Um, But what differentiates him from Robinson is he can shoot the three. And that's huge to me. So that's my take there on Miles Turner and everything that's going on in Indiana. Um, 
Now, that's it for this segment of the show, but we're going to switch over to my, you know, the progress reports that I handed out. We did a little bit of a quarterly report. Um, we're about a little more than a quarter of the way through. This is a little bit more than 25% of the season, but whatever. Uh, we went over some grades. We graded the team as a unit. Uh, we also graded the individuals on the team. So let's get to that segment of the show. And then we'll wrap it up from there. All right, so we're, we're going to get to Kemba first. Um, you know, we'll start with the starting lineup. Suppose, we'll, we'll, you know, the initial starting lineup of the season. Kemba Walker was the starting point guard right now. Obviously, he's not in the rotation anymore. And like I said, we're going to try to run through these progress reports because, first of all, it's very late here on the East Coast. It was a late game tonight against San Antonio. It's almost 1 in the morning here as I'm recording. So technically, it's Wednesday, December 8th. As I'm recording and, and as you're listening to this, it is later on in the day, December 8th, later in the morning or early afternoon. Um, but Kemba Walker, I, I have a C- minus for him. And remember, guys, these grades are based off of trying to word this correctly here so I don't get attacked. These grades aren't based... Not everybody, not every player is on the same skill. Each of these players I'm grading are on a different skill. A skill of their own. A skill to their own expectation. So Kemba Walker's grade is based off of what we were expecting to get from him. Julius Randle's grade is going to be what we expected to get from him. You know what I mean? So, say, you know, player one has an A. Player two has a C. It doesn't technically mean that player one is playing better than player two as a whole. It just means that player one is playing up to his expectation way more than player two, if that makes sense. All right, so these grades are not all on the same scale. So Kemba Walker, I give him a C minus. Um, and these, these stats aren't upgraded, as you're going to find. Uh, well, they are, pretty much. It's just one game. You know, the Spurs game isn't um, included in these statistics. But obviously, for Kemba Walker, it doesn't count since he's out of the rotation. But yeah, I have a C-minus for Kemba because I just don't think he's given us any positivity. Um, you know, he's had some spurts where he's helped us win games and, and gotten hot in certain periods. But, I mean, I, I I was hoping for at least 15 points and a point guard to stabilize that position. Um, especially since we had Alfred Payton. And, unfortunately, we didn't get that. We haven't gotten that so far. There's still plenty of time left, but we haven't gotten that from Alfred Payton yet. From Kemba Walker. Um, you know, he doesn't seem to have that ability to break down defenders as consistently as he once did. Um, a lot of his shots are you know, settling for the mid-range jumper and the three-point shot. And then obviously, he's not the greatest distributor. Having two ball-centric players at the time in one starting lineup wasn't the best idea. So Tibbs sat him. 
a lot of people thought he was scapegoated, which is funny to me because I, I feel like Knicks fans were a lot of it is this generation. We've fallen so in love with the victim mentality. We love the story of, of this guy's a victim and he shouldn't be. We just, For some reason, my generation loves that shit. And we love this whole scapegoat thing. We did it with Fizdale. We said it about Mello. I mean, we, we it, it's insane. Just because somebody's not exactly in a great spot and you know the moment that we have a rough patch we're starting to say Kemba's a scapegoat Kemba's a scapegoat when everybody was on that train to bench the kid the guy at the time listen as an NBA coach you're going to try to make any moves possible that can get your team going you know if it has to be alright let's shake it up at point guard and try something different go for it and that's what Thibodeau did. And, you know, we're not exactly tearing up the world right now with Burks at the starting point. But I do prefer this still. I do still, still think it's better. Um, I, I think the defense of Kemba Walker was actually the biggest problem, right? Which I haven't even mentioned yet. His size was a huge weakness. And Burks' size gives us that switchability in the pick and roll defensively. So... We just love that victim mentality for some reason. A lot of Knicks fans just love to use that word scapegoat. And it's... it's. I don't understand it. You know. Again, as an NBA coach, this team is clearly struggling to reach expectation. So he... Thibodeau... You know, everybody was saying, we need some kind of adjustment. Some kind of adjustment to the starting lineup to get us going. Okay, we tried it at point guard. The, the catalyst position. That's the quarterback of the offense. It wasn't exactly going great. Let's let's people are acting like Kemba Walker was tearing up the world. No, he was playing very bad. And so you say, okay, well, the whole team was playing bad. Alright, well, we're not gonna switch up the entire lineup in one day. Let's ease our way there, try to make a few adjustments. And look, a few days later, he just tried to switch Noel at center and it worked tonight. So this is about being an NBA coach. All right, so I'm not going to sit here and cry for Kemba Walker and throw him a pity parade. But, um, yeah, I, I don't think he's been great. I think a C-minus fits because he's had occasional good moments. But outside of that, he's been pretty poor. Um, and those are his stats on the screen. If you're watching the podcast, you can see if you're listening to the podcasts. He's averaging 11.7 points, 2.6 rebounds, 3.1 assists. 43% from the field, 41 from 3, 80 from the line, 1.1 steals per game, 0.3 blocks, and 1.3 turnovers. I said my piece. So that's my take on Campbell Walker. Let's go to shooting guard, and we'll get to Evan Fournier. I gave Evan Fournier a C, and quite honestly, you could give him a grade even lower. Um, I, I think I'm being pretty fair. I think... The guy we signed for, it was a three-year deal plus a four-year option, but how much? It was a lot of money. I don't know the exact contract, but it was a lot of money. Obviously, we're paying him um, money to come in here and, and be this, you know, secondary slash tertiary scorer, playmaker for us, and he's not been that shooter. He's not been that guy who we thought he was so far. He's been way too inconsistent. 
I don't know if he was like this with Orlando, but I do know that with Orlando and even with Boston, he wasn't scoring 13 points a game. He was, you know, just shy of 20 points per game, right? The majority of his career, he's been a 17, 18, 19 points per game scorer. That's, you know, he's probably averaging a career low right now, at least his lowest since, I want to say since he came into the league. I'd have to check. But 13.3 points, um, you know, 1.7 assists. He he has his moments, but he's just not done it consistently. He's just not done it consistently. Um, I don't. He's not the greatest with the ball in his hands. Like I thought he would be decent. I'm not loving what I'm seeing. Um, you know, I don't know. I don't know exactly what we have to do to get this guy going. Maybe we need to get him involved earlier, you know, to keep him in the game. But it just doesn't seem like he fits here right now. It doesn't seem like he's a good fit at the moment, and that's unfortunate. Um, and then the defense for Fournier hasn't exactly been great, too. Um, I think we really, really do miss a guy like Reggie Bullock, who was that lockdown 3 and D wing for us. Um you know, Reggie was a movement shooter, kind of like Fournier. Um, couldn't put the ball on the floor, but Fournier, again, isn't exactly being that playmaker that we thought we'd get. So right now, you know, especially considering we weren't paying Reggie Bullock that much, we do miss him. And a big reason for that is his defense was significantly better. Um, so Evan Fournier gets a C for me RJ Barrett another C on the board here um, and again just so you know these numbers are not upgraded um, you know the Knicks are 24 games into the season these numbers were 23 games in so I, you know, the Spurs game is not included here and I'm sure you know I'm sure RJ Barrett's numbers after the performance he just had are way different than the ones on the screen because of how well he performed tonight. Um, but here, 14 points, about six rebounds, two assists, 40% from the floor, 31 from three, which went up to 35 tonight, 70 from the line, and 0.4 steals, 0.3 blocks, 1.7 turnovers. It's going to be hard to put RJ's summary. It's going to be hard to summarize him because I'm trying to keep it short. He's not had a great season. He had the hot start. I think it was five consecutive 20-point games to start the season. But I, he had the big slump. He just broke it tonight, 13 or 14 games in a row. Was it under 20 points? The spot up isn't falling like it was last year. He was that kick-out option. Um, he's still having issues finishing at the rim, you know. He can no longer just rely on that bully ball going to his left. Defenses are starting to read that. Um, he's not, you know, very athletic. He's no wizard with the ball on the floor. And his jump shot isn't super reliable. And as a guard, as a wing, I think you need to have at least one of those assets but R.J. Barrett doesn't exactly do anything great. He just does 
many things decently. And so that's going to be the problem for me when talking about R.J. Barrett going from where he is now to making that big leap into stardom. I don't know that he's a star. I, I think R.J. Barrett, as much as I like the kid, is a decent NBA role player. I think he could be somebody who, throughout his career, is going to give you around 17, 18 points per game and play defense. Which his defense this season hasn't exactly been what we were hoping. You know, he went into the year with hopes to become a defensive, um, an all-defensive first-team guy. Not working out that way yet. And, you know, there's still time. You know, but he has issues ball-watching. His help defense is not the greatest. His on-ball 1v1 defense is pretty decent. But still, altogether, he has not put it together completely. But offensively, he's got work to do. He's got to find a go-to move. Um, hopefully, tonight's game kind of got him going. You know, he was drilling him from three. Um, and again, you know, this isn't just on him. I feel like Thibodeau can get him involved more. If we run him in some more half-court sets or if we run him with his second unit more, he can get going in full court and transition more, which he's great. It opens up the floor for everybody else when RJ's going on the break. So, uh, yeah, I think it's a little both. It's a little scheme. It's a little RJ himself having to, to figure it out. But so far this season, you know, we were expecting an even bigger leap from year two to year three. Haven't gotten that at all. Um, he's regressed in his numbers. You know, statistically, they are just as similar, if not worse, to his rookie numbers. RJ Barrett gets a C. Julius Randle. <laughs> okay. This is also going to be hard to summarize into a quick, you know, a quick little uh, summary here. Okay. Fucking Julius Randle. A C minus. You know, he's playing well below his expectation. After the spectacular season he had last year, he is most definitely not doing that this year. Um, it was it's more like the 2019 Fisdale Miller Randall that we're getting. He's not making those quick decisions as much. His conditioning was so much better last year than it was in 2019. But this year it seems like he's not really making those hustle plays as much. And he's not getting back on defense after a turnover. You know, he's not making those excellent rim reads. That mid-range fadeaway isn't as automatic as it was. That three-point shot is not falling like it was. You know, so some of it's just bad luck. You know, he was he was benefited to some really, really tough shot making last season. But those same tough shots are just not falling this year. But here's the thing. When he's not on, when he's not shooting well, he's not consistently doing what he did last year 
Last year when Randall wasn't exactly shooting great, and it wasn't often because he was always shooting great, but when he wasn't, he was getting his teammates involved. He was picking up assists. He was aggressive on the boards. He was playing great defense, boxing out. This year he's not exactly doing that. He doesn't box out hard. He's not running back in transition. And his defense has been very porous at times. And I want to get to that. I want to get to Randall's defense because I have some, a few plays uh, of late. I want to you know, real briefly break down. I actually did already. Um, so I'm going to switch to that slide. It's from earlier today. I was breaking down a couple of possessions where Randall has just completely taken off and fallen asleep on. And I just wanted to point out a few things. So we're going to switch to that slide. Play it. And we'll get back to this in a second. This one's pretty basic, and I do apologize for this one if you're watching. Um, you know, I had to fit it to the screen, so it's pretty poor definition. But, yeah, as you can see, this entire sequence was just pathetic basketball by Randall. He takes the entire offensive possession off here. He doesn't even bother to, to he just stands here near the elbow outside the perimeter doing nothing. So he, he takes the possession off, gets back in transition, but I mean, for what? To provide zero resistance so Jokic can just have an open lane right here. It, it was, it, this was on Saturday against the, uh, obviously the Nuggets. So it was one of many instances from Randall this game where he put forth no effort. Um, but it's one of many instances this season where we see him take plays off. And this was just a, a very poor sequence for somebody who's considered the star player of this team and is supposed to be that catalyst that sets the example. So that was from the Denver game. Um, sorry. That was from that Denver game, that first clip right there that we just went over. Just absolutely pathetic. I saw that play live, and I thought I was... I, I seriously... I thought I was watching a replay. I did. I, I just completely slow-mo on that offensive set. Granted, I was I was distracted, you know, looking at my, my tablet screen while watching the game because I was so disinterested, but I did. I honestly thought it was a replay. He was moving so slow. And then he gets back on the other end, provides zero resistance, like I said. Let's get to the other one. I, I want to show this one, and I, I may have mistakenly said this was this past Saturday, but this was actually um, a game against Houston a few weeks back. Now this is another gem right here. This is in the first quarter on Saturday afternoon. You're going to see in a, in a couple of seconds that Evan Fournier gets caught on a, I think it's a Christian Wood back screen. So he directs Randall to switch. Onto a cutting Jalen Green. Randall doesn't bother to react. Green has the easy cut to the to the rim. Open lane. Randall gives up the easy lob. 
So we're going to see it right here. Fournier at the top here. Back screen by, I think that's Christian Wood. Right over here. And you can see he's pointing to Randall. He's directing Randall to switch onto Green over here. And Green's going to cut right to the rim. Because Julius doesn't even bother. <laughs> Didn't bother to switch. Green cuts. Gives up the easy lob. Fournier caught in the back screen. Randall caught back door. One more time. Back screen. Tells Randall to switch. Randall doesn't switch. Buckets. Now there's one more play I want to go over. Involving Julius Randall. And it's another game from recent memory. I think this is actually another highlight from the, or low light, from the Denver Nuggets game. Or It's either the Denver Nuggets game or another highlight from the Houston Rockets game. But um, I want to show you it real quick. Let's get to it. This one, also pretty basic. This was second quarter on Saturday afternoon. And this happened multiple times. Randall completely leaving Najee wide open, which is the reason this kid, you know, some journeyman, we let it happen all the time with these random journeymen, goes off for a career-high 21 points, and he hits five three-pointers. Randall just completely, I don't know what he's doing. I don't know what he thinks he's doing. He goes over to ball side, and he overhelps. But this whole thing is just completely congested. I mean, you look over here. There, there's four guys standing here. And you've got Noel outside here with I don't know who that is. But Randall completely a, a useless help here. Why are you going and overhelping ball side when, when you're not even in the play? So, and Rose is at fault here too. Because Rose leaves his man wide open over here. But Randall's man, Najee, who's been hot all game... Wide open here. So it's kicked out to him. Najee wide open. Randall doesn't even bother closing out. And it's buckets. That's just, it's pathetic. It's absolutely pathetic. So it's, it's shit like that. And again, if you're watching, I mean, if you're listening to the podcast and you're not watching on YouTube... You're probably having a difficult time following along, but basically just showed a few clips and broke them down briefly um, of Randall's lack of focus and, and interest um, on, on these possessions this year. You know, it's it, that's why I get so frustrated when people point out, and it's usually the, the casuals who, who don't watch the Knicks a ton, you know, like the guys on ESPN. I, I always cringe when I hear like, the ESPN crew talk about the Knicks or even the TNT crew sometimes. I always hate when they mention Randall's 2010 and 5. Right. He's averaging he's leading the team in points, rebounds, assists. Sure. But how great is that when it comes on efficiency? That's not very great in terms of his percentages across the board. And on top of that, it's not enough to mitigate his tremendous defensive deficiencies we, we only want to look at the things we like we have to put it all together and, and you look at Randall's total package this season 
He's not been a winning impact player. He's been way too Jekyll and Hyde. He's been way too Jekyll and Hyde. I'm not being tough on him. I'm just spitting the truth. This is the guy they paid $30 million a year. And the contract hasn't even started yet, right? It's He's not performing close to what he was performing like last year. So I give him a C-. minus. On his own scale, he gets the C-. minus. To round out the starting five, or I guess not anymore because he got benched tonight, Mitchell Robinson, um, the starting center for most of this season, he got a C plus for me so far a quarter of the way through. He gets a C plus. We're going to talk about Miles Turner a little later in this episode for a few minutes. But Mitchell Robinson, you know what? Actually, we might have already spoken about Miles Turner. Because I'm recording this part of the podcast in a different order. But Robinson, I gave a C plus Because I was expecting, this is year four for him now. This is his contract year, right? Guys love to perform well in their contract seasons. This is his fourth year in the league. You would think he's finally going to be ready to take the big jump. I don't know how many times I could tell you that I entered the season saying, Alright, I think this is the year Mitch is going to go for 10 and 10 points, rebounds. And he's still going out there and he's still giving you minimal offensive production. He still hasn't developed any kind of offensive package. No post game, no hook shot, no jump shot, no three point shot. Doesn't really exploit the mismatches. He'll occasionally give you that pick and roll lob. And this year his mobility hasn't even been the same. So he's not throwing him down over the rim like he used to. He's averaging you 6.9 points, 7.7 rebounds, and 1.7 blocks. You're not getting any offensive production from this guy. I'm tired of sitting through these games and watching him put up 5 points, 5 rebounds. I'm tired of it. That's not productive. You could tell me all you want on his great defense. But this year it hasn't been that spectacular. Because of the weight gain. You know, he had the injury last year. He wasn't able to move off his feet. So he gained weight. And he's trying to cut more weight, they said tonight on the show. They said um, he's trying to cut back down. Which is good. But it's clearly affecting Mitchell Robinson. It clearly is. We spoke about it. So not much else needs to be said. He gets a C+. He's got issues executing the scheme because he's not the same in terms of his agility and his offense is the same it's always been. Let's go to the bench. Derrick Rose, the first point guard off the bench here. I gave him a B plus and this is going to be one of the higher grades you see. Um, I, I think he's been very good. He's been very solid. You know, on a team that's 12 and 12, I don't like to go crazy with the, the positivity in these grades, so you're not going to see any A's for me. So be satisfied with the B plus. I think Rose has played very well, um, and it speaks for itself, right? He's quick. He brings that penetration. He can drive to the cup and get by. He can still get by any defender quickly. He's so good at getting to the cup, and, and he's acrobatic. You know, 
He's a great mid-range pull-up shooter. He's great at knocking down those three-point shots, and he's hitting these free throws. Doesn't take a ton of free throws, mainly because he's so good at avoiding contact with his acrobatics when he's at the rim. But he's good. He gets into the lanes, and he's either going to finish or kick it out to a perimeter shooter. He's good in pick and roll. And he's one of the main reasons that second unit is so good because of his ability to play with guys like Obi Toppin off the ball and play with Emmanuel quickly next to him in the backcourt and play with Derek uh, Alec Burks. So Derek Rose continues to have a good season and he's playing good defense this year too. I gave him a B plus. Emmanuel quickly. I, I give quickly a B minus so far. I think he's been pretty good. You know, he's got some some issues with the shot selection, and he's got to learn how to tone that down a bit. You know, we got to tame him. But overall, I like what I'm seeing from quickly. He is another big reason because Nick Bench is what it is. Huge spark plug. Um, those deep threes, they always seem to come at the best of times. Momentum changing threes, especially when we're at the garden. He gets the crowd going. He's an energizer, and he is so well, like I said, with Rose, next to Rose, and it'll be topping. He's, it seems like he's improved his ball handling. He's becoming a little bit better of a playmaker. You know, there's always going to be the question, is he a point guard, a shooting guard, a combo guard, a, a quasi-point guard, whatever you want to call it, but it seems like he's a little more patient with the ball in his hands. You know, we, we've seen some nice pick-and-roll sets. With Quickly and Sims. Quickly and Obi. So. As that continues to develop. Um, I don't think we're going to see him start at point guard anytime soon. I think he's going to ease his way there. Um, maybe someday down the line. Maybe next year. Maybe year four. But right now he's in a perfect role. I like him with the second unit. I think he meshes very well with them. I wouldn't want to mess up that flow, but also at the same time, it'd be nice to see him get a shot at starting point guard. So he's had a good year. Um, Manuel quickly nine points, two rebounds, two and a half assists, 36% from 392 at the line. And his defense has improved. He's playing pretty good defense this season. He keeps his man in front of him, and he's challenging shooters. I like the way he plays defense, but yeah, of course, it's the offense. Right? He's elusive with the ball in his hands. He finds those small windows, and he's getting to the rim. Got the in-between floater game going when he's not shooting the three. Still would like to see him develop some kind of mid-range jumper. Got to work on that, but overall, a B-. minus. I think quickly has been pretty decent. Alec Burks, uh, a B-plus for Alec Burks. You know, I think he's been great for this Knicks team. Uh, maybe a little bit optimistic. If I'm thinking about it now, I'll probably go back to a B. But I, I think he's been good. 11 points, 44% from three. Uh, yeah. He's their closer. He's their fourth quarter guy. And he's very versatile. Right, he can slide up all the way to the three. 
and he can play down at the one. He plays off the ball, create his own shot, and if you need him to be that secondary playmaker, which he's doing right now in place of Kemba, he can do that too. He's playing good defense. He's a quiet veteran who shows up every night and plays hard. So Alec Burks is solid B+. Obi Toppin, there's not much you could say about Obi this year that, um, that, that that's bad. He's done so much good for this team. And that's why I have him at a B+. It's we we've got to find more minutes for this kid. I don't understand why he continues to stay so consistent this year and be such a positive impact player. By the way, that's supposed to be one point zero assists per game and not one slash. If you're watching, but he's playing so well. He's such a good threat on the floor. Anytime you look up. He's in the open court ready to throw down a dunk. And he's throwing down at least three, four dunks a game. He's averaging eight points and I think he's playing, what, 15 minutes? He's getting four rebounds in that time. So, you know, the per 36 stats probably look even better. And, you know, obviously they don't take into account endurance. But you have to think, you give this kid more time, he could score in double figures. He can rebound you six. He's been really good, and he doesn't need the ball to play well. He's so good off the ball, finding those open pockets to cut. Rim rolling in the PNR. And he's so great in transition. He's an energizer, just like Emmanuel quickly is with those deep three balls. Obi is with those dunks in the open court. The defense has improved. But it's going to be that, the jump shot, and his ball handling. That's going to need a lot of work. But everything else has been really, really impressive. Cutting from the short corner on the baseline, throwing down lobs. We've even seen recently some more post-up scenarios for Obi, which he didn't thrive in last year. He was pretty poor in post-up. But this year, he's been taking advantage of those mismatches and exploiting them. He hasn't gotten a lot of opportunities, but when he has, it's been working. And we saw it these last couple of games, even tonight more, some more post-up scoring from Obi. So I really, really do like what I'm seeing from Obi Toppin. And I think it's, with Randall playing the way he is, for him to continue to get 37 to 40 minutes, sometimes more, and Obi to continue to get 15 minutes or less, it's, it's a crime. It's an absolute crime. Mix in some more small ball lineups with Noel always hurt. Mitch always going down. Taj is hurt right now. 4-5, Obi and Randall. They've played well together when they do, to be honest with you. And, and keep experimenting with it. I, I just don't get why he's not playing. As he, he, We need to find more time for him. It's not that difficult to comprehend. It really isn't. And I'm tired of repeating the same old shit. But I'm sick of... Of waiting around for it to happen. And not happening. Obi Toppin needs more floor time. But he's get he's Yeah. He gets a B plus. Because he's been spectacular. 
Not so spectacular. Nerland's Noel doesn't seem to be the same this year. Gonna run through this one real briefly because I don't want to talk about Noel. Doesn't score your points. Not a great rebounder. Has got the stone hands on offense. Every time he touches the ball, it pops off his hands and it goes out of bounds. Um, his defense... Surprisingly enough, he's actually been a bit more mobile than Mitchell Robinson has. Um, so he's playing pick and roll defense. You know, his coverage has been a little bit better than Mitch, to be honest with you, but he's still not that much of a defensive player when he leaves the restricted area. Now he'll play the passing lanes well and he'll block your shots. But other than that, this year Nerlens Noel is you know, he's playing through an injury, so he's not been the same. He gets a C. Taj Gibson, when he plays, Taj has been really, really good. Um, he's been spectacular. Now, maybe I went too high with the B. Maybe I should have went B minus, but I give him B. Um, I think he's been good. He does the intangibles. He does what the Knicks ask of him. And as a veteran of this team, he's got great leadership, as cliche as that is. But yeah, he's a great screen setter. He's always battling on the boards, fighting for those loose balls. He's playing defense, contesting shots. He's been very, very solid. I love Taj Gibson. I'm a Taj Gibson fanatic. He gets a B. Now I want to go back to Mitchell Robinson because I did forget to go over his tape. Um, like I was saying, the lack of mobility in Mitch's game this season is is blatant. It's right in front of us. And so I picked out a few occasions um, recently where you can see Mitch is a bit more slower this year. He's a step slow. And so I wanted to go over them with you real quick. I recorded this earlier today, so I'm going to go to it. We'll play the clip. Alright, so we're going to try to get through this one. These are kind of hard to do because I have to multitask and I'm using a few different apps, but I want to display this example of Mitchell Robinson's defense and, and sort of just explaining what I've been saying about how he's slow to get back out. So this was against Chicago in the fourth quarter, um, the second time we played them a few nights back. And um, I'm also doing this at halftime during the Knicks-Spurs game. So we're going to try to make this quick. So here, this is just one of the examples we have um, with Robinson. Again, he's slow to rotate back up and recover. So you see, uh, where is it? Let's play it real quick. You have Emmanuel quickly on Levine off the ball here at weak side. Where are we? Right here. He's on Levine at the moment. But the second Vucevic gets it, quickly does the right thing, and he stunts. A quick stunt. Lunges towards Vucevic in order to give Mitch enough time to recover. But still, Robinson can't get there quick enough. So he had help with, with the stunt right there by IQ, but... Still not mobile enough to get back out on Vucevic. And they killed us in the pick and pop. All night. Now Robinson had a fantastic third quarter. But if you go over the film. 
during this game, there are many instances like this where he left open shooters on the perimeter because he was too too slow to rotate. I want to go over to the next slide, uh, the next clip too. I just have one more clip I want to show you on Mitchell Robinson's defense. So let's get to that and we'll get right back to the show. So in this clip, you've got Alex Caruso at the top of the key going around a double screen. He kicks the ball out to Lonzo Ball off the double screen. Ball kicks it to, what's the kid's name, number 12, Ayo? Ayo? Not even, not even going to attempt to pronounce his entire name. Number 12 drives baseline. Quickly's beat on his closeout, and you're going to see Mitch not there to help at the rim, resulting in an easy basket. So here's Caruso up top. Let me get it. Goes around the double. He kicks it to ball. Right? Ball to Io. Io drives baseline. Beats quickly on the closeout here. Here's quickly. And you're going to see Robinson doesn't come for help to help. I don't know what Robinson was doing. But again, it was just slow-footed. He didn't. That, that looked to me. That looked like an effort thing. Right here. That he didn't really provide much, much help at all. He didn't react, and he reacted too slow when he did react. So another example of, of just Mitchell Robinson struggling and just with his awareness and his IQ. And we could also, while we're here, give the grade to the Knicks team as a whole. Um, I, I, you know, it's tough to do this. But if I'm going to give this whole team a grade as a unit... Um, So the Knicks as a unit, um, actually, this segment of the show is the next day because my laptop crashed on me. Um, this podcast is going to be one giant mess. There, there are so many segments I had to piece together because of, of how it crashed and everything. But now that we went over everybody else, uh, I think I give the Knicks a C. A C or a C plus, um, but I, I'm going to land uh, in the C I'll go C+. I'll be nice. I'll say C+, to their expectation. They've been playing um, like a C-plus team, to their expectation. I think first off, you, you know, I just want to briefly run through this. I, wanna, I don't want to go on forever because I want to try to get this podcast out before this Indiana game tonight. You know, you look at this team as a whole, they're obviously just not the same. The intensity is not there. As consistently as it was, right? That effort's just not consistent. Last year, even when we didn't play smart, 
right? You always hear that term, play smart, not hard. But last year, even when we didn't play smart, we played hard. And that bailed us out of a lot of games that we usually would have lost. We always had that to lean on. But it seems like this season with the Knicks, the game plan hasn't always been smart. And on top of that, we aren't nearly playing as hard. You know, look at our defensive woes. You know, when our offense, when the opposing offense drives, we're over-helping in the paint. And last year, yeah, we left a lot of three-point shooters open, but we closed out hard enough. This year, we're not closing out as hard. You know, it messes up our rotations, confuses everyone's switching. The bigs aren't exactly executing the drop coverage as well, excuse me, and pick and roll. <clears throat> it's just, you know, we're not executing that scheme the way we were last year because we're not playing as hard. That's unfortunate. So the defense is not the same. Definitely not the same. And obviously we lost a few pieces that were, you know, credible defenders. You had Reggie Bullock. You had Alfred Payton. You had even Frank Nilakina. Um Am I missing somebody too? I feel like I am. But they lost some defensive pieces. And the guys they added in, Walker, Fournier, aren't exactly defensive stalwarts. So that's going to happen. Um, but still, you, you expected Robinson to be a little better defensively. You expected Barrett to take a, more of a step forward defensively. You expected Randall to be better like he was last year defensively. But no, they've each taken step backs in those areas. <clears throat> uh, the rotations have not been good. Obviously, Thibodeau's rotation... He's got the lineups where he's just very stubborn, right? The big question is why does he continue to give the youth, the bench, such a short leash, but he's never holding the veterans, the starters accountable, right? I mentioned how he was with R.J. Barrett. He'll sit him in fourth quarters. He calls him out in these pressers, which I like that. Um, but he, you know... You look at guys like Randall. He keeps Randall in for so long in these games, right? He's consistently getting 37-plus minutes a night. Um, he's barking at guys like Quickly, Obi Toppin, which, again, I like, but do it for everybody. You know, Julius, excuse me, who roams free out here, does what he wants on the court, right? He leaves Burks in for fourth quarters, even when Burks is not particularly shooting well. I remember, I don't know why this stuck with me, but there's a game last year where R.J. Barrett was having a solid game. He had 12 points, I believe, and he was like 4 for 8, 4 for 9 from the field. He was fine. But he sits in the entire fourth. Burks plays the fourth. He didn't exactly light it up. And then after the game, the narrative was that R.J. Barrett didn't have a great game. Well, I'm like, he's going into the fourth with 12 points on 4 of 9. That easily could have been a 50% um, game, and he could have scored 18 to 20. I mean, that's that's nothing. But So I just don't understand it sometimes. You know, against Denver, he leaves the starters in the entire third quarter, basically. I mean, outside of New Orleans Noel. I mean, really? Mix and match. You know, he does this so often. It's it's Obi Toppin doesn't get minutes. Like I said, we talk about it too much. He doesn't get minutes. He's playing so well for this Knicks team, and he's not getting minutes. Why? None of us freaking know. None of us know. It's it's out of this world insane to me. But that that's who he is. He's always been stubborn. He's always been leaning towards the vets and and the guys who got him there. But does he's just not holding them accountable? And that's one thing this Knicks coaching. Regime has, has struggled with, you know, no matter who we had at the helm. 
It seems like these guys are never held accountable. I don't understand if maybe it's more of a front office thing. You know, maybe it's politics. We can't. Maybe the coach is kind of under like a, like a string like Aaron Boone. But I don't know. It's very frustrating to see quickly Obi in the bench play so much better than these starters. But yet they don't get the run that the starters get. They don't get that same leash. So that's frustrating. That that attributes to why we have this 12 and 12, you know, middle of the pack record and why we're in the bottom of the east. Um, you know, right outside the the top 8, top 10 at the moment. <laughs> I have to check. Um, in our offensive game, you know, I mentioned the defense has not been the same, but the offense is just very flat. There's not much of a system here. It's not very innovative, right? It's not it's not exactly uh your all-world offensive team here. You hand Julius the ball on the elbow, and you let him go to work. A lot of the time, it's just that. It's just elbow isolations for Randall, a couple of DHOs at the top of the key, and we're there. You know, we don't run nearly as many pick-and-roll sets as we should. You know, we don't run those double horn sets. We don't do the things that we, we would like to see. Get R.J. Barrett going downhill more. Um, you know, get a guy like Evan Fournier, you know, coming off those curls those L cuts more. I don't know. It, it just doesn't seem like we have the most... You Sometimes, you know, Fizdale took a lot of heat because his system was a little too intricate, but sometimes that's okay. And in no way am I, am I advocating for Fizdale to make a comeback. Hell no. But, you know, I do wish Thibodeau was a little less simple with his offensive playbook. And it, it just doesn't seem like we have much much of anything. You know, we settle for a lot of three-point looks and we don't we're not always aggressive in attacking the the rim. We don't always put pressure on the defense and find those open lanes. We just a lot of times it's just settling for jumpers, isolation looks and again those dribble handoff moves. But yeah, that's that's you know just a couple of things that I think the Knicks have struggled with this year and that's you know, that's why we have this C, what I give them a C or a C plus, a C plus grade. I just don't think they've been doing enough to to get into the B area yet. Um, still plenty of time, right? But that's my take on this Knicks team right now. And that's all we've got, guys. That's all I have for this episode, episode 290 of the podcast. Let's wrap it up with the NYY NYK question of the day. So... Episode 290, our NYYNYK question of the day. True or false? Of the two times the Knicks won 60 regular season games, they failed to win the finals in each of those years. Is that true or false? So message me this answer if you know it, whether that be on Facebook or Instagram, and I'll give you a shout out in the next podcast episode. But that's all I've got, guys. Episode 290 in the books. I am your host, RJ Carbone. I'll see you in two games. All right, we got the Pacers tonight. And I forget who we have after that, but I'll see you in that game. And don't forget, if you haven't yet subscribed to BD4, where there's no better way to get your Yankees Index analysis, you can do that right now. Apple Podcasts, Spotify, SoundCloud. You can watch us on YouTube. Plenty more platforms. Follow me on Facebook, RJ Carbone. Instagram, at Rob J. Carbone. All right, guys. Thanks for stopping by. And I'll see you in the next one. All right. 
Ciao. This episode was brought to you by Anchor, the best way to make a podcast. It's podcasting made easy. Download the Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to begin your own podcast. Thank you.